Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jan Scruggs. I'm the president and founder of the nation's Vietnam Veterans Memorial. It's very famous on the mall, and it has the names of all of the Americans who gave their lives during the uh, lengthy Vietnam War. I am here today with someone who has brought something special to the Vietnam veterans and to the country, a book, a book called Mended Wings. And he follows people who were very much seriously injured during the Vietnam War who were flying on a part of the, our helicopters. And, uh, you know, we sent about 12,000 helicopters over there and approximately 5,600 of them were destroyed. So that's like almost half. It's not good. And uh, uh, the helicopter did a lot of things that brought equipment, supplies, evacuated wounded guys. And uh, it was, uh, the stories need to be captured about overcoming adversity. And I think that is really what uh, Mr. Cahoon has done. In case you are interested, he's flown a, a thousand hours for the U.S. Army and the UH-1s after the Vietnam War. Uh, he uh, enjoyed his Army career, but decided that um, America needed another lawyer, especially Texas. And uh, so he's uh, in Texas. And at this time, uh, what I'd like to do is just kind of ask you one simple question. Uh, what? How did you write this book? What motivated you to write this book? Uh, well, thank you, Jan, and and uh, thank you for your service. Uh, I don't want to be want to. I want to be sure and say that before this podcast is over. Um, I was in, uh, I was in flight school in 1983, and all of my instructor pilots, a vast majority of them, whether they were civilians or or some of the military guys but we had a lot of civilians who were instructor pilots these guys were all vietnam vets and they were just wonderful guys interesting characters just calm as could be you could do some really crazy stupid things in those aircraft and it just didn't phase them at all they'd just take the controls and put you right back where you needed to be and the the aircraft that we flew in the in the huey phase um, of flight school were all old Vietnam birds. And so you'd walk out on the flight line and they would be just peppered with these little patches covering up bullet holes. And a lot of those aircraft, some, well, sometimes you'd go out on the flight line with one of these guys and they'd look at one of these aircraft and they'd recognize it. And they'd say, you know, that's, that's an aircraft that flew me when I was stationed at wherever. And I just really got intrigued with their stories. I, I thought they needed to be preserved. I've always felt like Vietnam vets got a, a very raw deal uh, when they came home. I think that's everybody kind of recognizes that now. And um, I, this is just kind of a book that I always wanted to write. And I had two books previous to this under my belt. So I felt like I had the credentials to do it. And I felt like now is the time. I mean, this is, if we're going to honor this generation of pilots and this generation of veterans, we need to do it now. I mean, we, we it's, it's just an un, unfortunate fact. We can't, we can't wait another 10, 20, 30 years. They, they need to see how we feel about them. And we need to, we need to tell them now that we appreciate them. So that was really kind of the motivation for the book. Tell me, uh, uh, why don't you tell me one of the stories of the, the veterans who you uh, are writing about? 
Um, well, just by, by way of background, the, the book is broken down into 10 chapters. So I have 10 vets and the criteria was each one had to be uh, wounded in battle while they were flying helicopters. And so for, uh, and the book is written in chronological order. So I kind of walk you through the Vietnam war. The first guy was injured in 1966 and the last guy was injured towards the end of 1972. And at that point, as you know, Jan, there really weren't any Americans in Vietnam except for pilots and their crews. So if you got shot down, you know, good luck being, um, you know, picked up by somebody. But uh, I'll just, um, you know, as an example, I'll mention um, my very first uh, vet who was um, uh, Warrant Officer Pruitt Helm. And uh, so our, that starts the book out. And again, it's 1966. Uh, and he is flying a, um, an aircraft in support of an insertion that is really that runs into an ambush, quite frankly. Uh, he's shot down. Um, he's uh, badly injured when he's shot down and he ends up in the middle of a battle zone that rages all night long while his crew is in basically no man's land between the two forces fighting. Uh, he ends up being a paraplegic because of this. And the way I tell these stories is I start you off with uh, taking you right up to the point where he's injured. But then I go back in time because I think it's important to understand the context of these veterans. I pay, take you back to Pruitt's childhood days and I walk you through high school and how he got to flight school and going up into Vietnam and his experiences in Vietnam before he got injured. Some of these guys were injured uh, weeks after arriving. Some of them were injured just a week from leaving. Uh, but they all have stories about Vietnam. And then, uh, but I think the story is also important to carry it forward because in order to understand the impact that Vietnam had on this generation, we need to take them all the way up to today. And that's what I do with each one of these vets. I walk you from uh, Pruitt rehabbing, you know, all the terrible things he went through and dealt with, how he overcame being a paraplegic. Uh, I don't want to give away the story, but you know what happens with his personal life, and I take you up all the way up today to where he is and retired and and married and grandkids and so forth. So I want to give you the full flavor, the full picture of each one of these guys. In a lot of respects, Jan, the these guys to to me they're they're heroes, and every single one of them special. I found their stories fast, absolutely fascinating. Um, but I will fully admit that. There's thousands of guys like this out there. Uh, this is just a representative sample of, of that generation. How can you explain to people uh, <clears throat> the courage it took to land a helicopter in the middle of an active firefight in which people had AK-47s and machine guns and SKSs and hover get the wounded on and fly away. How can you explain the, the motivation? What made these people so unafraid of, of death? You know, Jen, I'm not sure I can explain, and I, I'm not sure it's unafraid, um, because I think all of these guys will tell you that um, that fear was, was, a, was constantly a constant companion with them in the cockpit. <clears throat> but... I, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost inexplicable 
uh, because you're right. They, they just on a daily basis um, did some things that were incredibly dangerous uh, flying into LZs and the bullets are pounding the aircraft. It was, it was, I've, I've met a lot of Vietnam vets in my time. I can't remember any that weren't shot down at least once. Most of them were shot down multiple times. You were extremely lucky if you came back without being injured. That was pretty rare. And uh, you counted your lucky stars if you came back at all, quite frankly, because the death rates were uh, comparably pretty, pretty high. It was definitely one of the most dangerous occupations that you could have in Vietnam. Uh, so to what do I attribute the fact that they did it day in, day out? Um, I've asked, I've asked these guys that, and some, you know, some of them will give you the flippant answer. Well, we were, we were young and dumb and stupid, uh, and, and it was just what we did, but I, I don't think that fully explains it. I, I think they, more than anything else, they, they had a commitment to their brothers in arms and they just, they refused to give up. They, they viewed themselves as their protectors, the guys that would bring them home, bring them food, protect them with uh, gunships when they were being overwhelmed. Um, they just refused to come home. One of my vets, the Chapter 5 vet, um, Warrant Officer Hester, when he flew into his LZ, uh, he was almost immediately blinded. And he tried to turn the controls over to his co-pilot, and his co-pilot was unresponsive. He assumed he was dead. His, his head was slumped in the cockpit. Now, imagine if you're in that situation, and by the way, there was a machine gun about uh, 10 yards away from the aircraft, point blank range, that was pounding the cockpit. He could feel the bullets hitting his uh, his armor, his body armor. He could feel them like somebody hitting him with a sledgehammer in his ribs. Uh, I think that most of us would instinctively say, you pull the collective, which is the power, you pull the collective and get the hell out of there. But he refused. He wouldn't do it because he was there to pick up wounded soldiers. And until all those soldiers were on board his aircraft, he was not going to leave that LZ. And so he waited and he kept asking his crew chief, you know, are they are we are we up? Are we up? And his crew chief said, no, they're bringing more out. And he just hung in there and he took it uh, until the crew chief finally said, we're up. And then he had to have the crew chief be his eyes on the controls to make sure he didn't over torque the aircraft pulling out of there. Wow. But that's just a demonstration of that courage. And, and so I'll get back to your question, Jan. I, I don't know why. I, I Even after talking to all these guys, it, it baffles me. But I think it was the thing it mostly had to do with the fact that they were Americans and they were Americans that they felt responsible for. And there was nothing that was going to stop them. Uh, even death wasn't going to stop them. They were just going to keep coming. Yeah, and amazingly, that sort of uh, br bravery and courage continues today. And you know, recently in Afghanistan and uh, Iraq, uh, several several helicopters have gone down with Navy SEAL teams and so forth. But they were all going to rescue another team that had been. Uh, wounded, injured, and special operators of the Army infantry units. So uh, people don't understand unless they've been in the Army or the Marine Corps, the sense of brotherhood and sisterhood that's there. And mm -hmm. the willingness of people uh, to, to lay down their lives uh, in combat. I saw it myself. Yeah. And so forth. So, yeah. Yes. What about another story of one of your fellows there? Uh, so these guys, 
their injuries uh, range tremendously. You know, when I when I started to write the book, for some reason, Jan, I had in my head that 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 these guys would all be kind of similar, and they're just so radically different. Um, most helicopter pilots, I'd say, the most common injury for helicopter pilots is usually in their lower extremities because uh, they did have some armor that surrounded them in the cockpit, and they were wearing chest protectors. So a lot of these guys had uh, feet blown off or um, legs uh, severely wounded. Uh, but one of the guys in the story actually had a, a, a brain injury from shrapnel after he successfully, he was shot down into a hot LZ. And as he's walking away through the, through the muddy rice paddies, uh, a piece of shrapnel uh, hit him in the head and he slumped into the water, his crew, actually thought he was dead and left him underwater. And the interesting thing is he experienced um, a out-of-body experience. Uh, and um, I won't go through all the details, but it was one of those where he he's actually outside his body looking at it floating underwater. And he's continually going back and forth from sort of death into reality. <clears throat> and fortunately, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a medic who was behind who saw him slump into the water and he trudged over and pulled him out of the water and saved his life. Uh, and then he had to deal with this, this brain injury for the rest of his life. And I, again, I'm not going to give away his, his, his full story, but um, uh, the, I guess kind of the, the, the interesting thing about, about this particular guy is he ended up being a minister um, and has, and the other kind of unique, well, this isn't unique, but Jan, there's a sort of a common thread of all of them. Despite how badly injured every single one of these guys is, uh, you know what their biggest desire was after they were injured? It was to get back in the cockpit. Every single one of them uh, did whatever they could. And this may sound shocking to you, but this one guy who had his um, who had the brain injury had a, a big chunk of his brain removed, um, and it was a very severe injury. He ended up going back on flight status to his second tour. And the paraplegic that I mentioned to you before, he managed to learn how to fly fixed wing aircraft as a paraplegic. They all they all love flying. They just they wanted nothing more than to get back in that cockpit. And more than that, they wanted to get back to their unit and fly with their units if they could. So is your book available now on Amazon? Yes, the book is available on Amazon Mended Wings. Um, you know, I commend you to that, or, or you can always go to my website, which is www.colinpcahoon.com. Yeah, uh, you got a great website there. And uh, this is the kind of book that... Uh, Got some real staying power there. You know, it's, it's such a thing that people buy as gifts, and uh, I'm really excited about it. Well, I think one of the, the most um, uh, heartening things about having written this book is I have been approached by a number of Vietnam vets who flew helicopters in Vietnam. And to a man, they have told me that th this is a, an excellent representation of what they went through. So if I think if you if you want to know, you know, every every Vietnam vet had a different experience. And I know that the 
Um, the infantry guys, the guys in the mud had a different experience from the guys in the air and uh, everybody had a job to do and they all did it well. But if you want to see what it was like to be in the cockpit as a pilot in that generation, I think that this is a, a good way to see that because you get the perspective of, of 10 guys uh, throughout the, the, the arc of the war from 66 to 72. And I give the reader a little perspective of uh, before each chapter of what's going on with the war at the time. You can start to see the body count increasing, you know, through the 1967, 68, and also what's going on back home with, with the protests and, and things like that. Uh, and, and you get a sense of, because we follow them when they come home, you, get, you also learn their different experiences. As you know, Jan, the war was relatively popular when it first started, 66, 67. Most Americans were still behind that. And then uh, Tet kind of changed that perspective, I think sort of tipped it the other direction. And by the time you get to 1972, yeah. you really didn't want to show your face as a, as a veteran uh, in a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of parts of the country. It, uh, it, just, it just wasn't a good thing to do. Um, so I, I, again, I, I, I guess I commend it to anyone who'd like to, to see what these guys experienced and learn what they went through. Well, what, what we did with the Vietnam Veterans Memorial was <clears throat> separated the war from the warrior. So you can honor the, the veteran without uh, honoring the war or dishonoring the war. The, the war yes. is one issue that, that people who serve their country, especially people like these helicopter pilots who are willing to give their life <laughs> for complete strangers. Uh, it, it's just a, a beautiful thing. Well, if I could just, but Jan, I know that you are thanked over and over again, but uh, I, I've been to Vietnam War Memorial. It's beautiful. Every one of the guys that I've talked to have been there. It means a lot to them. It means a lot to be able to see their friends' names on that wall. And as as hard as it is for a vet to deal with being physically injured, I think all these guys will admit that uh, the harder thing was to come back when their friends didn't. And they all still carry a lot of guilt to this day about the fact that um, maybe they were flying into a hot LZ and, and they came home and some crew member on board with them did not. And it's, it's hard to understand why uh, things like that happen and why you are sitting here today, Jan, and I know you've had friends who are killed in Vietnam and, and why they're not. I mean, that's, that's very difficult to get, get your head around and come to grips with. And I, I think the Vietnam War Memorial helps helps heal those wounds and on behalf of the 10 guys that i spent a lot of time with i just want to say thank you for everything you've done in that regard give everyone my best and i appreciate your help thank you very much yes thank you jan <laughs>